0: I'm Kim Grinnells of dogman.com with Scott Eklund. Spring football is done and we will be going down each position with the podcast. We'll also have the written material up for you at a later date. But just that when we do a podcast and we start talking about uh, positions and talking about guys, we can go a lot more in depth and I think you get a lot more out of Actually hearing us talk about guys than writing about them because a lot of guys just scan, but also something to listen to on your way to work, excuse me, on your way home from work or just when you're out working in the yard. But the quarterback situation, Scott, uh, it hasn't been this clear for a long, long time because it's real clear right now.
1: Well, it's basically 2016. I mean, that's, that's our, in our not 2016, I'm sorry. Uh, Jake Browning's last year, what was that? 2017, 2018, yeah. whatever it was. Um, you know, that, that's the, that's the last year that we had any surety heading into spring, heading out of spring, heading into fall camp, you know, and, and we have that as long as Michael Penix is healthy, he's the starter and the the guy that everybody looks to on this team.
0: A year ago. Excuse me, sorry, allergies are kind of getting to me a little bit, but A year ago, we weren't in this position. Um, When we saw what we saw last year, Michael Penix was new into the program. He'd been here for a bit. He was somewhat familiar with the offense they were running, but he was removed from it for a couple of years. But at the end of practice last year, you know, they split the reps up pretty evenly last year. And, you know, you would be hard-pressed every day. I thought a quarterback had – a better day and somebody stood out, but there wasn't a clear separation and there is today.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it it was pretty, I'm going to be honest with you, Kim. I mean, other than maybe a few throws here and there during practices, I didn't see much of a split between Dylan Morris and Michael Penix from their performance standpoint now, but you know, we kind of talked about this, I think in our last podcast before the spring preview that Michael Penix is just kind of a gamer. You know, we, we believe that, you know, he, he, you know, goes out, he practices hard, he does all that stuff, but there's just something, there's a light switch that goes on with him. There's a, whatever you want to call it, he's got that it that when the lights come on, when he steps between those lines on game day and there's a crowd and all that different stuff, he's just a completely different quarterback than what we see during practice. So, um, and I, you know, I, I think Dylan Morris had a really good spring, but, but, and Michael Penix had a pretty good spring too, but you know, I, I, I just you can just see the difference between Michael Penix during the season than he is during practice.
0: You know, Scott, I talked to somebody about, uh, you know, being in practice and being game and him being a gamer. and He told me something pretty interesting. It's a six year college. They said he looks like he's bored sometimes out there at practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could kind of see that. And and I mean, there's I wonder if there's just a little part of him. Sometimes I wonder if there's just a little part of him that thinks, you know what? I wouldn't have to be going to class. I wouldn't have to be worried about all this stuff. And I'd be collecting a paycheck to do this. Now, he is technically kind of able to receive a paycheck because of NIL we don't know exactly what that number is right now but I'm sure he would be getting paid a little bit more if he was a pro quarterback right now but um and and I mean I saw something today where Ryan Leaf said that uh um you know he'd be the second overall pick in the NFL draft now I'm not I don't know if I'd go that high, but, uh, he's definitely up there and, um, you know, he'd be getting a pretty large paycheck right now, um, as a, you know, in the next couple of weeks as a, as a quarterback of an NFL team and, or at least on a roster. And so I wonder if there is times when he says, you know, I wouldn't have to deal with all the other outside stuff. I could just focus on football, but, um, I also think one of the big reasons he came back was cause he saw how good this team could be. And I think he thinks this team can be pretty special this year.
0: Yeah. And when, again, when we see him at, at practice, it's clear that he's the number one quarterback, he's getting most of the reps he's give, he's working with the number ones and he looks a lot more crisp. The offense looks a lot more crisp. There's uh it doesn't look like they're having to teach as much because they, uh, everybody seems to know what they're doing out there. So it's just quite a bit different. And, you know, we'll talk about the receivers at a later date, but you know, he, he doesn't seem to be favoring anybody either. He seems to be going through his reads pretty well and spreading the ball around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've seen Devin Culp get involved. Jack Westover, you know, when we get to the tight end group, we'll talk a little bit about it, but Jack Westover didn't play that much uh, this spring while he kind of recovered from an injury and things like that. So Devin Culp, Quentin Moore, those guys both got a lot of work and Michael Penix found them quite a bit. Uh, we saw, um, uh, we saw even guys like Taj Davis, catch a bunch of passes. We saw, uh, Jeremy Bernard, when he was rotated in, get catch some passes. Denzel Boston even caught a lot of passes. So uh, Romo Dunsey and Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk are still your top three receivers. But Giles Jackson, Taj Davis, Jeremy Bernard, uh, Denzel Boston, you've got a nice little quad of, of receivers that you can throw in there and rotate through that that. Uh, receiver group. And and Michael Penix, every time he was on the field, he didn't just focus on Romo Dunsey, although there were times that a play call was called for him or for Jalen McMillan. But, uh, you know, he used uh, Jalen Polk on the outside quite a bit. He used uh, Taj Davis several times. So yes, Kim, you're right. He did spread it around. He got it out to the tailbacks as well quite a bit. And uh, Cam Davis, you know, showed off a lot of his receiving skills too.
0: Yeah, I thought the other thing that was interesting is last year it was pretty obvious, especially, you know, three quarters of the season where Michael Penix, um, he just didn't take a hit. He was just yeah. bound to determined not to be hit. And in this um, this camp, it looked like he was a little bit more agile and a little bit more willing to run. That being said, he couldn't be touched either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was it that Jake Browning used to say? He used to mess with defensive guys cause he knew he couldn't be touched. Oh, so God. in practice, yeah. he was brutal to those yeah, guys. Yeah. And I don't know if Michael Penix is quite that guy, but you could still see him out there a few times talking a little, little mess to some of the defensive guys and, and everything like that. Eddie Ulofosio and him kind of went at it a few times, not, not in a bad way or negative way. Just you could see they were talking to each other quite a bit and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's fun to watch, um, him get out there and do his thing. I mean, he he throws such a pretty ball. It, it it is so pretty, and he he put he he has the idea of when he needs to put some heat on it and when he uh, needs to give a little loft and a little more touch and and things like that. And I and and you can see it uh, at times during practices. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the other thing that's going to be interesting to follow in the offseason is there is going to be a a Heisman campaign for uh, Michael Penix. It's already started. I think there's some billboards on buses in town, but um, they budgeted for a Heisman campaign. And um, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like one of those things where I think Michael likes that. Um, I'm not sure. He's comfortable with it all. Um
1: well, let, let's say I, I don't. I don't agree with you that he likes it. I think he knows that it's it's part of the gig and stuff. And yeah. I, I think he wants. I think he knows. I think he wants to be considered for the Heisman. I mean, who wouldn't want to be considered for the Heisman? But the thing about him is, um, I don't think he likes all the rigmarole that goes along with being a Heisman candidate.
0: I don't think he and, likes talking about himself. All that. No,
1: but. not at all. He knows that this that this team. Um, I mean, he couldn't do this without the offensive line, without the wide receivers, without the running backs doing their thing. He can't, he couldn't do it. And honestly, he can't do it without the defense, because who wins the Heisman, Kim? A top 10 team. Yeah, typically the best player on a top 10 team typically wins it. I don't know what USC finished last year. Their loss to Tulane kind of took them out of the top 10. But Caleb Williams was far and away the most impactful and best best player In college football last year, because I mean he he, the because of the things he was able to do, but it was also because he had that hype coming in from Oklahoma, and 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 Michael Penix didn't have any hype coming in from Indiana to the University of Washington, a team that was four and eight the year before. And so what you really have to do is now that the Huskies are eleven and two, they actually finished ahead of Caleb Williams and 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 and, and USC and. He's got to he's got to get out there. He's got to use his legs a little bit more. He's got to do he's got to catch passes for touchdowns like he did in the Apple Cup, even though it was considered a run and everything like that. He's got to be able to do those things during the season in order to catch those Heisman Trophy uh, voters uh, eyes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires
0: downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. Um, Dylan Morris. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I He is what he is. Um, I think He's you know, steady. Steady. yeah we well, I he's the same guy um you know you talk about floor and ceiling and the floor where he came in and how good he can be I think he's pretty close to his ceiling and what you see is what you're gonna get out of Dylan Morris
1: yeah he is um but he's a guy who you know I've seen a couple people say that I couldn't imagine a better backup quarterback for the for the University of Washington than Dylan Morris because he's smart he works hard he's a He's, he's a guy who grew up a Husky fan, so he's going to give his heart and soul, blood, sweat, and tears to the University of Washington. He shows up early. He studies film. He knows what he's doing. Coach Grubb, Coach DeBoer have both um, lauded uh, his efforts, his his leadership, um, his ability to uh, understand that, hey, this is Mike's team, but I need to be ready to go when they call my number. And, why, hey, last year, uh, Michael Penix, the only – play that he missed as a as a you know starting quarterback because of an injury was that play against Arizona State when he gets hitting right up by the throat right and then Dylan Morris has to come in and um what was that a fourth down play or a a long third down play whatever it was he comes out and I mean cold and has to throw a dart to Jalen McMillan for a first down and so that that right there, I think, showed uh, Ryan Grubb, showed Kalen DeBoer, hey, this guy's going to be ready to go when we need him, whether it's for a couple games because Michael Penix is hurt or whether it's because he's in mop-up duty or whether it's because Michael needs needs a break, break for a second and we need him to come in and make a big throw, we can depend on him to do that.
0: Yeah, a lot of people like to pick people apart and talk about what Dylan Morris isn't. But what he is, I think, is good enough for what Washington needs at this point in time as a backup Um to Michael Penix and he's a guy who If he came in and needed a spot start I think that they would be okay with the offensive Running he knows it backwards and forwards So th- I think that they would be fine With Dylan he's not your long term answer But uh, you know he's all you Would want in a backup quarterback to a Heisman Trophy candidate at this point in time I think the big question is When we uh, start looking Into the future because I think we saw It on Saturday on the sidelines Austin Mack
1: <laughs> Yeah
0: <laughs> um, Ah, he's a big dude. First of all, not everybody follows recruiting as much as we do, so lay Mm -hmm. the groundwork. Tell people who Austin Mack is and what the situation is with him. Well,
1: he comes out of a a system that Washington has tapped before when Jake Browning was at Folsom. He was uh, the top quarterback in the country from a – from a, a completion standpoint, you know, he, he just he threw for tons of yards and all that kind of stuff. Well, Austin Mack comes out of the same Folsom system, but with a lot more tools than Jake Browning came out with. Now, he doesn't have the the experience that Jake Browning has. I think Jake Browning, if I remember correctly, he was a three year starter there. I think and, so. Yeah. Yeah. And Austin Mack only started one season and then he reclassified. He was a twenty twenty four guy. But because he's he's really smart, and I think he's um one of those uh, late babies uh, from a birth standpoint that he had the option to to wait. And like my son, my son's born in July. he ended up enrolling as a kindergartner when he was six years old. Well, I believe Austin mack is going is is one of those kids that is kind of like that. And so he, um from an age standpoint, he's, He's right about what be a freshman a college freshman would be. He'll be 18, I think, in September, October, whatever it is. Anyway, he uh, reclassified himself because he had enough uh, classes to be able to do that. And he'll enroll at the University of Washington in uh, June with the other LEAP uh, participants. So he's actually reclassified for the 2023 class, even though he didn't commit to Washington until signing day. Uh, of that day, so um, and, and but yeah, I mean, big kid, big arm, athletic for a guy who's six six and what is he about two ten, two hundred, whatever it is. Yeah, um,
0: he's not um, skinny. He's, no, not, he's
1: not. He's you, not. You, you, you would think six six two ten is that looks like a you know a small forward in, in basketball, and he does yeah. kind of look like a small forward in basketball. But the thing is, he's a guy who you can tell that he's going to be able to put on twenty or thirty pounds pretty Easy. easily. And and still keep his athleticism. And that's going to that's what really sets him apart from what Jake Browning, Jake Browning could run around a little bit and do a few things. But Austin Mack's a guy who you can actually say, we want you to run the zone read and actually keep the ball and run. And, um, you know, so that'll be interesting to see what kind of elements he brings to the system. And, uh, you know, but he won't be here until June. So, I mean, he didn't even take part in spring, but we did see him on the sidelines for the spring game.
0: Yeah, no, when you when you first laid eyes on him, he's one of those guys that you go, okay, who is that? Um, Mm -hmm. Because he looks like a young defensive end almost. But um, yeah, um, he also seems to have that type of personality and presence about him where um, people are kind of gravitating towards him.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I think he's going to be real helpful to Washington on the recruiting trail, especially in the 2024 class. Um, Washington already has a 2024 quarterback and E.J. Kamenong from uh, uh, Garfield. But uh, Austin Mack, I mean, the wide receivers are going to play earlier than E.J. Kamenong will. So E.J. Kamenong will have an impact on 2024 receivers. But I think when I've talked to Landon Bell, the only guy committed to Washington who's slotted for one of the receiver spots, um, when I've talked to him, he said Austin Mack going there, just solidified my commitment to Washington even more because he has already committed to Washington. But he said that solidified it even more because I know that's the guy that I'm going to be catching passes from when I'm a sophomore and junior.
0: Yeah, with him being a 24 kid initially, um, I think the, a lot of the recruiting experts and a lot of people, recruiting people, maybe put him a little bit on the back burner, knowing that they had another year. But um, he was a pretty highly rated guy as a 24 kid who was expected, you know, to be a top five quarterback in the country, you know, rating wise. But uh, you know, then all of a sudden he's coming in this year, so. Um, ratings wise, I, I think easily coming into um, this recruiting cycle, if he was uh, going to stay in the 24 class, I think he'd easily be a top five quarterback in the country. He'd be part of the Elite 11 and, you know, one of the uh, 24 sevens recruiting analyst, uh, Cooper Patagna, he's just hitting me up all the time. He's just, ab- they just ab- absolutely love Austin Mack.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Brandon Huffman, uh, you know, said it a couple times that, um, if Austin Mack had stayed in the 2024 class, he was the number one player in California from a rating standpoint for two, four, seven. So he would have been a top 100 player, um, in the, in the entire country, regardless of position. And uh, he's been replaced by uh, another guy because he reclassified. He's been replaced by another guy that Washington's really in on. We're not going to really talk recruiting, but Jericho Johnson, one of the defensive tackles down there that Washington's really in the mix for. Um, he is now the number one player in the in the state of California. But that, you know, back to Austin Mac, you know, Kim, I don't disagree with you at all. He would have been a at, at the minimum, he would have been a top ten quarterback in the country. But I think he's probably, I think you're probably right, top five, top seven, somewhere in there.
0: Alex Johnson is probably your third string quarterback. He's a transfer and didn't get to see a lot from him. Scott, what did you see out of Alex Johnson?
1: Well, I mean, the fact is he he's basically the same size as, as uh Austin Mac, maybe even a little bit heavier cuz he's probably about uh I I don't know the exact um weight on him, but he's right around that 210-215 and he's about 6'5" 6'6". So, um that's that's going to be interesting to watch is how how he uh comes in and 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 everything he came in for the second part of spring ball he missed those first three practices because he hadn't finished up his stuff at uh at his junior college uh by the time that that he was able to to um come in and and do some things but man i, I think the coaches were just ecstatic when they were able to get him he's actually six i'm looking on the roster now Six six two fourteen 214 is what they have him at so a little bit bigger than austin mac uh can run around and do some things He played 2021 and 2022 at the Santa Barbara at Santa Barbara City College and um, was 10 and one as a starter down there. And that's a decent program. It's above average program down there. Then Washington's gotten a few guys out of there uh, to come and and, uh, be kickers and, and punters for them. But this one is one where they actually got the quarterback out of there. And the reason that Alex Johnson wanted to walk on at the University of Washington, you think of a guy his size with his pedigree and what he's able to do. Um, he's a guy who, uh, could have possibly gotten to a scholarship, you know, gotten a scholarship to maybe an FCS program or a group of five schools, but he decides to walk on to Washington. Why was that? Because he went to Blanchet high school. He's from here. And so, uh, he comes in, he looks pretty good during the spring. You can see that, that he is a guy who's got that. Um, I don't know, I don't, you know, presence out there. He picks up things quickly. And um, he's a guy who I think Washington is really excited to have because they really don't want to thrust Austin Mack into the mix. They want, they want him to just learn the offense. They want him to be out there with no pressure to be ready to go as the third quarterback and, and just ease into it. And Alex Johnson gives him that nice little bridge along with Dylan Morris
0: just keep it here at dogman.com we'll be doing a podcast as well as the written content and breaking down each and every position on the roster so again just keep it right here so for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim Grinolds along with scott Eckland. go dogs <laughs>